Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 422 being recorded on the 26th of April, 2022 with special guest Thomas Stringer. I'm Sujit, and on Teams with me, we have Evan, Russell, and of course, our special guest, Thomas, we're going to get to in just a minute. But first, let's uh, talk about some of the news that came out this past week in the Azure space. I believe uh, there's, uh, I had a couple I can, uh, which I put in there, and this was related to App Service, which I think we all can agree is the most popular service on Azure. Uh, it's the one that most people would start with for sure. Networking, Uh-oh. nope, you start with networking first. <laughs> Actually, I am going to talk about networking as it relates to App Service. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> unplanned, so that, uh, totally yeah. unplanned audience. <laughs> So uh, App Service, you know, easy to get it to, but if you want to use some of the networking features, especially private endpoints, uh, the more, uh, you know, secure networking features of uh, App Service, you had to upgrade to the standard SKU or the premium SKU, uh, the basic SKU, which is the cheapest, and most people who started the basic SKU didn't support that until now. And so now you can use the networking features all the way down to the basic SKU. So if you're just testing it out, you don't have to spend a, put a lot of money up front to, to try it out and still get that secure. They want you to be secure, right? They don't want someone, you know, playing around with the basic SKU and not being as secure as they should be. And so this is a nice feature, I think, where even the basic SKU can have access to uh, the networking features. Uh, the other thing with networking, I did say it was later networking, Evan. Uh, the other the other news about networking and app service is that you, typically you would do it as a second step. So you would deploy the app service uh, and then you would go in and configure the networking. You couldn't do it as part of the initial flow. I mean, it's not a big issue, but technically there's a small period of time when you may be potentially exposed, who knows, right? Between the time you deployed and the time you actually configure the networking. So now you can do it all up front, right? You can, uh, as part of the initial deployment of App Service in the Azure portal, there is now the feature to kind of configure your your private endpoints, your VNets, right from that initial experience so that uh, you, you can do it as one deployment. And this has been extended over to the ARM CLI and uh, uh, PowerShell as well. So this... I was going to say, the only thing I'll, I'll sort of pile on to this and, and point out that I, I love it when we do these kinds of changes because it, it sort of preaches to our basic belief that you don't, you, sh- you should be secure by default instead of having to sort of opt into it or pay for it or get extra. I mean, yeah, there's always going to be, you know, some sort of esoteric feature, not esoteric, but some more advanced feature that may not exist on a lower SKU. But some of the basic security stuff that comes with these capabilities Right, th- those are table stakes, right? Yep. And I think it's it's great to see us invest in making sure that's available to everybody, not just somebody that's you know has the money or whatever to buy the the the, the higher end SKUs at that point. So, absolutely. Well, I think uh, that's all the news we had. Uh, we're a little early this week on our recording, so we missed out the uh, the cutoff for the Azure news, which will come out tomorrow. 
but uh, we'll cover that in the next episode. For now, let's uh, turn the mic over to our special guest, Thomas. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, let us know what you do at Microsoft, uh, what your passion is, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, awesome. So uh, first off, I want to thank everybody, uh, you know, for having me here today. Uh, uh, this is super exciting for me to be here and kind of chat about uh, some of the work that uh, that we're doing on my team and uh, in open source. Um, so just a quick uh, quick introduction of myself. Uh, my name is Thomas Stringer. I am um, I'm the software engineering lead of the uh, the open service mesh team here at Microsoft. And um, uh, personally, I've been at Microsoft ever since uh, 2012. Uh, took a year off and and went uh, went to work at a different company, but like many of us, uh, came back and uh, had many different roles here at Microsoft, from uh, working in the field with some of our customers to, um, of course, now in uh, product group. Uh, so yeah, no, I uh, you know uh, the 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 product that I work on, uh, Open Service Mesh. It's um, you know I think it's really interesting how um, you know where where it's positioned, and what I mean by that is. Um, the OSM team, uh, the Open Service Mesh team, is um, part of the um, uh, the broader Kubernetes upstream team. And the reason I'm uh, introducing um, our our broader team is uh, it really it really um, uh, does a good job of illustrating what our charter is, not just with OSM but also with Kubernetes upstream uh, here at Microsoft. So I think the I think the really good way to explain that is uh, the broader team. Uh, works to bring OSS to Azure and to Microsoft and to, you know, to bridge that gap between Azure and, and open source software. And of course, as the name indicates, we uh, we have a focus on Kubernetes and cloud native technologies. Um, so that that's our that's our uh, that's our kind of our guiding light. Russell, you had a question? Yeah, sorry. Can I just go right back to basics and yeah. um, open service mesh, the, the name, I, I've heard of it before, but I don't really understand what it is. So could you could you give a, a really level one? Absolutely. Level? That was my so, exact question, Russell. I heard a lot of things in there, Thomas. I have no idea what you said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that, that makes total sense. So now coming into to my direct team, open service mesh, right? So we develop a service mesh that is, it's open, uh, open source software, um, and um, so it is a project uh, that's part of the CNCF, um, just like Kubernetes, just like many of these other projects. So what we do is we develop out in the open uh, a service mesh and a service mesh. Um, that's always the big question, right? You know, there's the, this service mesh industry. It's been around for quite a few years now at this point. But many people uh, not having lived in this world, it's it's a really it's a really difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around. And I'll, I'll be honest, like the two words service mesh don't really do much justice for it either um, without kind of knowing some of the some of what it does so uh, a service mesh is basically a software that's layered on top of a kubernetes cluster and the platform itself and what it does is it really it handles some more specific uh, scenarios that kubernetes itself doesn't deliver but is a very common application requirement so the really, the really common one, and the one I really love to talk about the most, is uh, the easiest thing that you get right out of the box. And and by the way, like uh, this is not just OSM specific implementation. This is this is some fairly common uh, service mesh functionality. You'll see this with Linkerd, Istio, and and many of the other uh, service meshes in the uh, kind of in the in the landscape of of the industry. So. 
Um, you know, I, I really like to explain what a service mesh is based off of some of the scenarios, right? So, you know, we're all application developers. We we have lived in worlds where we need to handle some some very complicated but really important challenges, such as TLS termination, right? Like, you know, we have our applications talking together, whether externally, but in this case, internally within a cluster. You know, we need to make sure that the the communication happening between those applications um is uh, is encrypted and that we're we're exercising defense in depth right so so now you have the application developer and they're having to solve these really difficult problems not not every programmer is well versed with things like tls and how to set it up but also importantly dealing with things like certificate management right we're all used to those uh you know those 2 a.m wake-ups or those those big emails of certificates expiring right like these are these are uh, really common problems that uh uh, you know, not implementing them is surely not the right answer, right? And um, you know, regarding the security aspect, uh, we have uh, we have this idea that hey, our Kubernetes cluster, you know, it's it's absolutely secure. I have this really nice wall around it, you know, uh, this, that, and the other thing. But we, in the current modern day, we really have to plan for defense in depth, right? So we have to say to ourselves, what happens when, not if when there's a bad actor inside of our cluster, right? What happens if they're able to uh, look at the unencrypted traffic between two applications that are running inside that cluster? So uh, right out of the box, a common service mesh, much like OSM, uh, can solve that problem by uh, having transparent and mutual TLS between the applications. Evan, you had a question? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, as, you, as you're sort of thinking about this, you know, as you as you delve into, you know, you talked about TLS, you're getting talking about the mutual TLS. What I hear you describing is sort of a standard way of doing things and me as an individual developer not having to worry about the complexity of doing it. Like certificates you mentioned is the great one. Like, I don't know, there's probably been some Azure outage at some point in the past that was related to certificates being changed or rolled over. Not going to go into the details there, but you know it's it, it's a thing, right? Everybody's seen it. To your point, that's a super hard thing to do. But what you're talking about is making it so I don't have to worry about it. I just sort of probably isn't quite as simple as checking a box, but you know I I don't have to worry about the complexity. I can say I want mutual TLS or I want you know certificate management certificate rollover, and I just sort of say hey turn this on and I'm and I'm done. And 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 open service mesh is handling that for me so that I don't have to understand all because that that stuff is like a whole PhD level exercise on its own to figure out what's the best way to do some of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Evan, you really hit the nail on the head and and you know, you you made a comment that maybe it's not as easy as, you know, checking the box, but actually it really is. And that's why <laughs> That's why uh, that's why I really it's it's one of those things where, you know, OSM or any other service mesh, it, it really is as easy as checking the box. In the case of OSM, all you have to do is add your Kubernetes namespace to the to the mesh and it'll start um, doing all of the, the piping and the wiring in the background. And we can chat a little bit more about what that looks like. But uh, actually, you know, kind of uh, your example of the check in the box, it really it really is that simple. Awesome. And it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, you check it and you can walk away and absolutely forget about it. You don't have to deal with things like certificate expiring. Uh, you know, you don't have to deal with some of the complexities that uh, are inherently part of this scenario. Go ahead, Sajith. Yeah, so uh, I'm just wondering, well, why is it called a mesh? Like, is this uh, like 
you know, various uh, groups of applications talking to each other? Like, uh, are they overlaid in some way? Like, I'm, I'm curious where that term mesh came from. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think like getting into the industry and really trying to wrap your head around the technology, that word also really confused me. And I think I think the way to sort of visualize the mesh is to think of it to think of it a little bit as a spider web, right? So you have you have the Kubernetes cluster and you have all of the different pods and applications talking to each other. So there's already inherently a level of connectivity there. But what we do is we add a layer on top of that Kubernetes cluster and then we create our own mesh. And you can almost think of it as creating our own uh, network between the pods. Um, and again, we can talk about the implementation. I think it would, it would help visualize that a little bit because, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, all of these constructs and, you know, mutual TLS, this is just one of many. But uh, for instance, we have uh, a lot of other features such as um, having a, a layer of security for access policies saying, hey, this service can talk to this service, right? By being very declarative about, uh, you know, really the, the principle of least privilege, like, hey, you don't need to talk to this service, then it's denied by default right so if you kind of think of it as this this secure network layer on top of kubernetes and a, a select amount of pods and namespaces being able to speak to each other you can start 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 to sort of visualize that that spider uh that spider web network and that that mesh um on top of that go ahead russell yeah so that's that's great to give you a picture of what what's going on with osm versus kubernetes where does AKS and um, Azure Container Apps fit alongside this? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I can't speak on behalf of Azure Container Apps, but regarding AKS um, and Arc Kubernetes clusters, uh, Arc, Arc connected Kubernetes clusters, uh, we really, we really kind of have that that easy button uh, for OSM in Azure, right? So um, uh, the implementation details there are with AKS, we have an OSM add-on, right? So you know, we, we live in this world, like some of us, you know, we, we live in this uh, CNCF world where we're, you know, super passionate about Kubernetes and all these other really interesting products. And we, you know, we keep up to date on, you know, the latest release version and, you know, where we understand the product very well and, and the, the release lifecycle and, and that type of thing. But like the reality is that's not every AKS customer. That's not every Azure customer. So by shipping OSM and a service mesh, as an add-on for AKS and an extension for our Kubernetes clusters, we really allow the other users to just hit the install button and walk away and forget about it, right? Now we have a managed service mesh for our AKS users, right? The people that don't necessarily want to have to deal with upgrading or, or dealing with the lifecycle of the product itself. They install it and they walk away. That They really don't care all, all about how it's managed as a product itself. So great question. That sounds like my kind of service. Install and walk away. Is, so I wanna make sure we're using the, the I understand the, the way the terms are playing together, right? So Kubernetes, open source, um, we we on at uh, from an Azure perspective, we have an, an Azure Kubernetes service that allows you to not have to worry about all the complexities that go with building and, and implementing your Kubernetes cluster. And then we have OSM, Open Service Mesh, that sits on top of Kubernetes to add some of this management pieces. Is is this a part of AKS that we're open sourcing as as well, or, or is this sort of a separate project that just works really well with AKS, but it also works 
everywhere else. Like, like help me sort of put these pieces together in terms of what part, because, because I think I'm sort of like Russell, it sounds like from a, uh, um, uh, infrastructure perspective, I like to set it up and say, I'm following best practices and let the best practices protect me instead of having to know all the pieces. If I set up OSM, do I now have to manage OSM? And, and now I have to keep up with, maybe I don't have to keep up with the certificate piece in OSM, but I got to keep up with OSM, right? Like wh what part do I own versus what part is managed for me? Yeah, that, that's a really great question for you. So if we're talking in the in the scope of um, running OSM as an AKS add-on, you don't have to manage any of it uh, unless you unless you that run. That checkbox and I'm done. <laughs> exactly, ex exactly. Okay. It's that again. It's that checkbox. You know, if you take the add-on route, you know, which we absolutely recommend for AKS users, uh, you know, you you don't manage any part of it. In fact, you likely would not even know that it exists unless you listed out the pods in the cluster, right? So, okay. uh, you know, you would have your you would have your OSM CLI on your on your local machine. How you, that's how you interact, control, mm -hmm. configure, reconfigure the service mesh. But again, these these are admin tasks that are likely one and done and, you know, uh, you know, you kind of move on with your life. Right. Uh, so the, the parts that you manage as an AKS user, um, it, it's really is really nothing. Right. So, you know, you, you bring up a really great question, though, Evan, and, and you're you're hinting at something that's really an important aspect. Right. So we have this open source project. You, you go to GitHub right now and it's it's right there. Like we develop it right out in the open and then you have the AKS add on. And it's very worth mentioning that these are one in the same products. Right. So we take when we release something in, in upstream in open source. Uh, we then turn around and then we work with AKS to, you know, send that update uh, to, to to the AKS side. And what we get there is we get that seamless uh, automatic upgrades with AKS. The end users don't need to know that you're running OSM1 and it's being upgraded to 1.1 or whatever. It doesn't yep. make a difference, yep. right? So, um, yeah, it's really that, that total ease uh, for the users looking for something that's supported, looking for something that's completely managed something that they don't need to deal with or work with. Cause at the end of the day, we all, we already all have enough to deal with, right? You know, especially when you're working in the Kubernetes world, AKS makes a lot of things super easy, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of considerations. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Monday morning checks, right? We want to make our service mesh, not that, right? So hopefully that kind of gives some indication on the, the driving force. And Thomas, I'm, I'm curious, uh, like you were going to talk about the implementation, I know in some cases these uh, things are implemented as sidecars uh, with the uh, with the pods. Uh, is that how it is here? And does the application need to do anything special to make it work with uh, OSM, or is this like, oh, I don't really care, you know, whether whether OSM is there or not? Yeah, that's a really great question, and and you hit the nail on the head. We do utilize the sidecar implementation, right? So uh, to get a little bit deeper into the implementation, the the way we do this. Uh, and the way we kind of have all of these all of these uh, scenarios unlocked is we inject a sidecar into all of the pods that are participating in the service mesh. And the actual sidecar that we inject is is uh, is what's called Envoy. And Envoy is a, it's a layer seven proxy. It's actually also another CNCF product uh, project, uh, another open source project that's developed out in the open, high usage across. Uh, you know, across many clouds, across a lot of open source projects themselves. And uh, so what we do is we inject uh, this proxy into all of the pods that are participating in the service mesh. And what we do is we we do some networking rerouting so that 
all of the the networking connections instead of going from uh, the application containers now they're being proxied not, not to uh, overuse the word but being proxied through envoy and that if you think about it it's all of these sidecars that are connected and that's a good way to visualize the the mesh itself right so now we have all of these interconnected uh, proxies that have uh, a layer of dynamic configuration allowing the administrator to uh, not just control who can access what but when certain things can be accessed and what percentage of traffic and and a lot of the other uh, a lot of the other uh, features that that we support so um hopefully that that answers your question yeah yeah it does and you know it leads me to, to wonder about you mentioned linkd it's co as being other i guess maybe some of them are commercial almost uh, offerings and we have this which is open source what uh, you know what what should what what's our message to our AKS users to say, hey, you know, how do you decide which is the right option for you? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. And, you know, a lot of other service meshes, you know, Istio and Linkerd, these, these are the two, these are the two service meshes that are typically on the front page news, right? And uh, great implementations, um, a little bit, sometimes, you know, the, the implementations and the, the feature sets are a little bit different, implemented a little different way. But I, I typically say to our AKS users and to our Azure users, like, like OSM, is the service mesh that uh, absolutely should be running the best on Azure, right? It's the thing that that you don't have to deal with. Linkerd, Istio, these are great, but if you install those in your AKS cluster, it's on you to manage those, right? When there's when there's a Linkerd update, it's on you, the administrator, to to figure out how to to do the upgrade, you know, to make sure there's no outage, to make sure there's you know. Anyways, uh, it's it's yet another problem that you have to, to solve and have to deal with as the administrator. So the big the big point for our AKS users is this is this is the service mesh that you install and forget about it. The, 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 I, I like what you said in there, um, and and I maybe I maybe missed the exact words, but like runs best on Azure, right? We're 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 like a lot of things that we're doing these days. It sounds like you're taking the path that says, listen, we're we're really we're releasing this for anybody who uses Kubernetes to use. We think it's the right experience. We think it's a great experience. But it, but at the end of the day, we we feel like this is will run best when you pair it up with AKS because of how tightly we're working with that team to make sure that everything does go seamless for you. But just because you're not using AKS doesn't mean you should ignore Open Service Mesh and vice versa. Just because you're not using Open Service Mesh doesn't mean you shouldn't. You know, if you've got some reason that you want to use Linkerd, go ahead. We still want you to use AKS. But at the end of the day, we feel like this is the best yeah. combination. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Evan, that's that's absolutely a really important point, right? Because we we live in we live in these two worlds, right? You know, half of the conversations are about Azure and how it mm -hmm. works in Azure, and great, that that absolutely is something that is a, a huge uh, point of focus for us. But it's also worth mentioning and emphasizing that you know, r regardless of Azure, this is an open open source right. open source service mesh. And, uh, you know, this is something that we're developing out in the open, right? Yes, a lot of the contributors are, are on my team and at Microsoft, but we, we welcome and we definitely uh, we, we look forward to external community contributors to, to the project. So we are very much an open source first um, product and then with, with the consideration of making it also the best service mesh in Azure. So absolutely, those are really good points. How do I go about <laughs> troubleshooting this? Uh... Sorry, uh, so just quick question on that. How, how do I go about troubleshooting uh, like an installation? Let's suppose I did uh, apply the add-on for OSM and all of a sudden nothing's talking to each other, right? Yeah. 
It was my that, question too, so that's good. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's that's a great question. So so first off, it is um, on the team and for the product itself, making sure that uh, supportability is is really um, is really top notch is is one of our is one of our uh, guiding lights here. It's one of our P zero items, right? Because at the end of the day, we know we find that service mesh users and, and Kubernetes users, generally speaking, you know they they're they're typically pretty good, you know, self diagnosers, right? And you know, it's the the crowd that's kind of aimed towards this this realm is uh, typically very competent, right? With with these technologies, so. Um, it's really important that we we kind of develop and we add parts of the product that allow for self-serve diagnostics, right? Um, and for you know for that particular example of hey, like I add the service mesh and all of a sudden things start breaking, um, you know there there that that shouldn't be the case. But if you were able to kind of look at the configuration and and see some some of the settings that that would be kind of controlling uh, you know the access policies between the pods. Uh, you know that would give some indication, but we are we are currently working on adding a lot of that tooling so that you run some diagnostics directly from the OSM CLI, and it tells you, hey, this pod can't talk to this pod for this actual reason. So, without being a service mesh expert, without being an uh, an Envoy sidecar expert, and even without being a Kubernetes expert, we're trying to really bridge that gap and make it really easy to just run a single command and have a pretty obvious output of why something isn't doing the way you think it is. And, and outside of uh, debugging and problems, does I mean you're adding quite a few features here in terms of the networking and the, the, the traffic shifting and all the rest of it. Is there any degradation on performance as a result? Is there anything we need to look out for? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, and I really like that you asked that. So, you know, uh, the, the reality is we're adding bits to the the endpoints between applications, right? So there is going to be a certain level of impact. But I can tell you that um, uh, in the in the past couple months um, on the team, we've been working through uh, performance benchmarking, and uh, and we went even as far to publish those metrics on on the Open Service Mesh uh, website. So uh, for anybody that's listening to that and is really interested in that, that is absolutely a huge concern. Um, and a huge consideration. So I would just ask that, you know, take a look at our docs website on Open Service Mesh, and you'll be able to drill into those specific uh, performance indications and benchmarks. Uh, the good news is I can say kind of from the 50,000 foot view, it's it's uh, it's it's a very digestible uh, impact uh, for given what, what it provides. So uh, for specific numbers though, definitely uh, take a look at the documentation. We, we ran some really interesting uh, experiments. That's great. Uh, I just wanted to maybe uh, ask uh, one last question. And what are some of the things that we can come to expect uh, in the in the in the future with regards to the integration between AKS and OSM? Is there something in the roadmap that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, that's a good question. So we uh, we have we develop everything out in the open, and with that being said, we also plan everything out in the open. So um, uh, for anybody that is interested right now and in the future. I urge you to go take a look at the, you know, the the OSM uh, project in in GitHub. But yeah, we we have we have a handful of features that we're looking uh, for with um, dealing with with automated uh, root cert rotation for for scenarios where you know you need to kind of change up the whole trust chain um, in in case there was something that was leaked or there was an issue there. 
Um, also, we're working on integrating with uh, Azure Key Vault and kind of making that that uh, living in Azure story even you know even better there. So you know these are problems that we're absolutely trying to solve. And the other thing that I think is worth mentioning when we're talking about roadmap and things that we're trying to deliver here, uh, you know, we are we're at the stage with the product. So we we went GA in AKS in November. So just a few months ago, we just released V1 in upstream. Um, probably about a month, uh, maybe a little bit more than a month ago. Just last week, we went GA with the Arc extension. So this product, it absolutely is production ready, but we're also at the stage where we're taking a lot of user and a lot of customer feedback. So if we have customers that say, hey, you know, we would love to use OSM, but if only it could do this, like that, that comes directly to product group ears for us. So uh, you know, we're we're absolutely in the stage of unblocking customers for adoption, and you know, again, trying to be that that best service mesh in in AKS and in Azure. So uh, the roadmap is out there, but is also uh, really heavily influenced by people that we're trying to unblock uh, for their usage. Idea, Thomas. Thank you so much for sharing all these insights with us absolutely. today. Uh, if you have any, uh, you know, getting started uh, documentation or uh, tips. Uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners, send them over to me and we'll add them along with the recording of this episode. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I, I really enjoyed my time here today and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, future episodes. Yeah, no, this is, this is great, Thompson. Don't feel like, you know, I think you mentioned, I can't remember if you mentioned it on air or not, but, you know, while you were, you, you're a listener as well as now you're a presenter. Now that you've broken that barrier, you got to come back. Absolutely. In the future, come Absolutely. back for more stuff. So Exactly. Looking forward to the next time for sure. Okay, awesome. Thanks all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.